Now, I want to give you a little quote, again, from some of these books that I'm reading that I just felt like this one just really impacted my life. But anybody here ever battle fear? We all battle fear. Battle fear. And we all know, if, if you've been walking with the Lord at all, you know that the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. And perfect love casts out all fear, right? So if the Lord's really in us, there shouldn't be any fear. But a quote that I read from one of these books I'm reading is, fear is paying interest on a home that you'll never live in. Fear is paying interest on a home that you'll never live in. Think about the things that you feared and they never happened. Most of the things that we worry about and most of the things that we fear never come to pass. Yet we expend all this energy and effort and we lose sleep and we, we break relationships and, and we get angry at each other over things that may or may not and usually never happen. So, don't fear. Don't worry. There's enough problems in your day today to worry about tomorrow. And whatever comes tomorrow will be there for you to face. And you can get through it because you are more than conquerors. You are more than overcomers. And we can get through what faces us. Nothing that faces me is too big for Christ that's in me. Nothing. So, fear is paying interest on a home that you'll never live in. So why fear? Don't fear. All right, 12 steps. 12 steps to a great year. From Hebrews, uh, we've been in chapter 10, been in uh, Hebrews the whole time. All these statements that say, let us, kind of play on words, let us. But let us, let us as a church, let us as a family, let us as uh, uh, not individuals, but uh, combined, um, the, the church body connecting, let us. We, we're now on step eight, I believe, and let me give you the first seven. Let us fear, let us be diligent. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us draw near to the throne of grace. Let us press on to maturity. Let us draw near to the most holy place. And let us hold fast our confession without wavering. Step eight tonight. Let us consider one another. This one again is found in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at these three verses, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, 25, and 26. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, verse 25. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, verse 26, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving not the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask that your word would just come alive in our spirit, that, Lord, it would go into our heart and our heart would be good ground. But, Lord, we've come in here, we've worshiped, we've fellowshiped. Lord, we're trying to come into your uh, presence, into the throne and just ask that our heart would be made soft, that it would be good ground, that, that this seed could grow and wouldn't wither, wouldn't be stolen from us, but Lord would go deep into our hearts. Lord, I just thank you for your word. And we're asking for your word 
and for your wisdom and for your presence. And Lord, I thank you that when we ask, you give. Thank you, Lord. Teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you may say, how did you get, let us consider one another from this scripture that said, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. Even though this is a good translation and it's why I picked it, from the original Greek, it reads a little bit reversed, and I want, to, I want to just tell you how it reads. In the Greek, it would read, let us consider one another how to stimulate to love and good deeds. So that's what we're going to stick to, is back to the original Greek, let us consider one another. We are to consider one another from the point of view of how we can bring out the best of each other. Not consider one another to figure out where you're weak and us point that out, but figure out where you're strong and flow in that and encourage there to see value in each other. Every one of you has incredible value. We come into church and we look at people in positions and think they must be the most important. No, you're the most important. You have value. You have a place here in this church You have a place in your family. You have a place in your community. An invaluable place. Let us consider one another and to bring out the best in each other. But unfortunately, we sit in prisons of self. Our basic problem is self-centeredness. And you know, I've never met someone that was self-centered that was truly happy. Someone that is completely focused on themselves rarely is truly happy and can enjoy true peace. Because the more you concentrate on yourself, the more you worry about yourself and seek to please yourself. And it seems like the more your problems will increase. So first, we've got to be released of self-centeredness, the prison of self-centeredness. And as this passage indicates... There's one scriptural way to get free. Stop worrying about yourself. Stop caring for yourself all the time. Stop fighting for yourself and instead consider another. Let us consider one another. I want to give you an example of Jesus. Paul gives us an example of Jesus as one that we need to follow. And I believe it's a, an applicable uh, reference toward this resolution. Let us uh, consider one another. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. This is exactly opposite of the world. Consider everyone else more important. You guys remember, I don't know if it was a Sunday or a Wednesday, but if you could imagine Jesus Christ being the greeter of Church on the Hill, if he was greeting at the door, you know what I believe he would be feeling? is I have waited forever for you to get here. I am so happy that you're here. And I can't 
wait to serve you. Can you imagine Jesus sitting at the gate at the door, at the gate? It is, it's at the gate to the church. Are the gates open or are they closed? And if can you just imagine? And that's who's in us. And he is saying for us to consider others more important than ourselves. It's the exact opposite of looking out for your own personal interest. And the release is to look out for the interests of others, to be more concerned about others than yourself. Then Paul encourages us to follow the example of Jesus in the next verse. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a bondservant. This is the Son of God. This is God in the flesh, giving up that right for the interest of others, for us. Gave up, not only gave up on the cross what he deserved in heaven, but gave up what he deserved on earth as he walked the earth to serve man. In the form of a bondservant, our attitude determines our approach, and our approach determines our outcomes. Can you see that our attitude, if our attitude is wrong, we're never going to get to where we're trying to get to. So the attitude we need to cultivate is to have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. And what attitude was that? In the Greek, it's literally a slave. Jesus, who was Lord of all, emptied himself of everything and was willing to become a servant, a bondservant, a slave. And this is the attitude that Paul says that we should imitate. A real, uh, a real good parallel passage is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. What is he saying there? Meaning don't turn this freedom into an opportunity to gratify your own fleshly and selfish desires. So don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now here comes what we've been talking about on Sunday the last two weeks about how to fulfill the law. Here it comes again. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now you may say, wait a minute, it also said to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yes, but you cannot truly love your neighbor without loving God. To truly love your neighbor. Anybody have crazy neighbors? Let me ask you this, are you a crazy neighbor? We always want to talk about them. What about you? The only way not to indulge in our fleshly nature, to not to yield to selfishness, and not to become shut up in that prison of self, is to look outward at others. Through love, serve one another. Have you ever had so much on you, you couldn't hardly even make it out of your bed, 
But if you could get to helping someone else, that worry kind of leaves. If you can just get active helping someone, getting your focus off of yourself onto someone else, that worry leaves. That's scriptural. We need to get active with each other. We're going to see in just a minute not missing the assembly, not missing the time to join together. Because it's going to help you get your mind off of your stuff. It's going to help you get to serve your fellow brother, which is going to in turn get you under the covering of God, which is going to in turn position you for blessings to come and find you and overtake you. Can you see that God has a plan? If we will help one another, God will help us. Not only help us with the problems that we have, but help us with the mind, our worry in our mind. And let me tell you, most of your battle is up here. It's stuff that's probably not ever even going to happen. As I just talked about fear. It's probably stuff that's never even going to come to pass, but it's got you right where it wants you and holds you down underwater to where you can't breathe. And you live your life unable to breathe. Jesus didn't come for that. Jesus came to give you life. He came to bring light to defeat the darkness. The darkness can't overcome it. Through love, serve one another. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is emphasizing to God's people today. Unfortunately, we we talk about serving, but we don't serve. Can we really serve the Lord if we're not willing to serve our fellow believers? Well, I serve the Lord, but you don't serve your brother and your sister. You're not serving the Lord. The Lord comes to us in the members of his body. So our attitude toward those members is really our attitude toward the Lord himself. As we look at being willing to serve others, let's look at what Paul, a statement from Paul in the Corinthian church that he made. Now keep in mind that Paul was a very strict, observant, orthodox Jew. He had the qualifications of a rabbi. He was a Pharisee. He practiced the kind of righteousness that separated himself from other people, even regarding other people on a lower level. But when Paul came to know Jesus, an incredible transformation happened in him. Do you remember when people would say, hey, uh, the people that were, in the, that were in the Christian walk that were believing Jesus, that were Jesus followers, heard midway in their walk with God, hey, go, I need you to go work with Paul. And they said, Paul, that guy who's been after Christians, who's been killing Christians, that lunatic who's after all of us, you want me to go work with him? They knew him. But that kind of transformation, someone that was just completely set on hurting Jesus' path, got completely transformed. I don't know if you can really grasp that, but it might be a liberal Democrat becoming a Republican, or vice versa. Don't get mad at me. But do you know how hard it is that people that have been brought up one certain way to change? Let me tell you something I've learned just in being a human, as well as being a pastor, as well as being a father, as well as being a husband, is people don't change. 
it ta- it's almost impossible for people to really change. It takes a miracle. It takes an incredible miracle of God to change. So, don't take this lightly that Paul had this change. This was an incredible change. And put on top of that, as he's ministering to the Corinthians, they were basically the scum of the earth. Paul had said they were homosexuals, prostitutes, drunks, and revelers. I mean, it's America. It's everywhere you look. It's not just these other places. It's everywhere, but simply stated, they were not the best kind of people. And Corinth was a seaport town. And seaport towns, wherever there's sailors, there's stuff going on. And it was going on there. But look what he said about the Corinthians in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. He said, For do we, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservant, servants for Jesus' sake. It would be so easy to not get anything from that, but to realize where Paul had come from and what exactly he was saying. Let me try to tell you what he was saying. Here is this proud Pharisee saying, we are slaves for the sake of Jesus Christ. To the Corinthians, to the people of Corinth. Notice three steps from this scripture. First, it's a dethroning of self. For we do not preach ourselves, but, they, but he thrones Jesus. But Christ Jesus is Lord. We're not saying we are Lord. We're saying Christ Jesus is Lord. So, first, a dethrone of self, not ourselves. Second, an enthroning of Christ. Christ Jesus is the Lord. And then third, serving others. We are your bondservants for Jesus' sake. That's Paul's message on how to escape self-centeredness. But as we see Paul's recommendation, I've got to point out to you that serving is a skill that we have to cultivate. Serving is a skill we have to cultivate. It doesn't just happen spontaneously, and it's not, it doesn't come natural to us. Take the example of a waiter. Have you ever gone and been waited at a restaurant by someone who has never been trained to wait tables? It doesn't come natural. Everyone's not great at it, and even the great ones had to learn. Had to learn when to stand there and when not, when to speak, when not to speak, how long to speak, when to leave. You know, there are times, I literally, I, we were eating somewhere this weekend, and I, I had to shout five feet to get the attention of the person waiting on us. And the person just looked at me like, what? And I'm like, what do you mean? Is this not the primary job? Don't, don't yell back at me. What? I, I need some help. And I'm not one who yells. In fact, I'll wait and wait and wait until they finally come back. And I won't yell at the wrong person. I don't want to holler at somebody that's not waiting my table. I know better. But sometimes you're just not getting it. And, and I, need, I need some attention. That's the, that we're paying extra to be waited on. But when you have a great waiter, 
it's easily noticeable. It's a joy. Waiters can make the experience more so than the food. Have you ever noticed? A lot of times I'll go back for the service, even if the food was mediocre. But a great waiter is something to see. And you've got to learn. You've got to study. Church, we have to learn how to serve. It's a skill we have to acquire. Study others to find out what produces a positive and a negative response. And then learn how to best inspire those people to love and good deeds, not the opposite. This requires practice and training and discipline. Church body, you are not here to sit. You are here to serve. There are times to sit. There are times to receive. But there are times to get to work in the church. My testimony is, it wasn't until I started serving that God really started moving in my life. And he moved in an incredible pace, in an incredible way. Um, I could not hardly, um, I couldn't keep up. And it started when I started serving. And I want you to know, when I started serving, I didn't have a clue. God put me somewhere I did not have a clue. You may say, I need to be called into that ministry. No, you don't. You are called. You are called to serve. And I want to encourage you. You haven't found your place yet? Go plug yourself where the need is. God will show you where you fit. And it doesn't have to be children's ministry. Or it might be. God will move in your life miraculously if you will serve. God will move in your life miraculously if you'll give. What is the church always needing? Givers and servers. Why? Well, they just want my wallet and they just want me to do all the work. No. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you so much that you bless the church back so much that they bless you so much that you bless the church back so much and so on. We get on the crazy cycle. The crazy cycle. The crazy good. Anybody ever had it crazy good? Yeah. Not the crazy bad. White wax on. You got to serve. Who here has, been, has God moved in your life when you served God? When you served each other? Amen. we got to serve. All right. I'm doing good. That's rare. Um, but serving also requires the right environment. Um, you see, after the writer in Hebrews says, in Hebrews 10, 24... It says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. He goes on to say, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now my mind is just racing. This right here just completely defeats church hopping. There is a place for you. And it's not wherever the hottest, neatest thing is going on. It's where he's called you. Everybody say amen. 
He has called you somewhere. And He is expecting you to connect to that body. And to get to work. And what's funny is, when you get to work, the things that were bothering you, don't bother you anymore. Well, I don't like the songs they're singing. Well, stick around, you'll get to know them, and you will like them. Do you know I worked as an 18-year-old in construction? Um, My mom and dad were restoring their house, and I had to work there in the summers. And I was big into rock and roll music, and just keep it to yourself. I was I was into rock and roll music. <laughs> and I walk into just country USA. You know, it's just 94.7 and I didn't know what kind of influence music had on me. I mean, it had it, it music highly influenced me, but I didn't know how much. And I'm telling you, I was ready to kill myself after listening to these songs all day long. I mean, you know, come on. And we didn't have iPods then and earphones and everywhere I went they had their little radios stuck in and they're all singing it and I'm, you know, I'm dying. Many of you may not be care what's playing. I cared. And uh, I got to a point where I had to really consider, am I going to stay? If I'm going to stay at this job, I've got to get to where I like this music because I just, I can't take it. So I purposed in my heart to like the music. And I liked it. I still have people laugh at me that say, I, I kind of like country music and they like laugh at me. I'm like, I don't care. It got me, I, I, I could have lived a depressed year doing construction or I could choose to move on and enjoy it, and you know, it's again from this book, I get up every morning and decide I'm going to have a good day, and I'm going to be happy. It's a decision. I decide to be happy, so I got to work and decided, okay, Aaron Tippin, dual antennas, whipping in the wind, ain't a country station that I can't tune in. That's what he did. I've seen him twice in concert. And that's what he does. No, there ain't nothing wrong with a radio. I mean, kill me now. You know, and it's song after song after song. But I mean, the stuff, the stuff I was listening to was, was just glorious. So... When I came to this church, I didn't know the songs they were singing, but I got to serving. My focus wasn't on the songs they were singing. My focus was on the job that I had to do. And next thing you know, I started humming these songs. I started, it started getting into my heart. And next thing you know, that word started getting into my heart. And next thing you know, I, hell faced me and that, those words started coming out of my mouth. And I started seeing victory and victory and victory. And for me, it started with serving. God led me to him by me serving back there in the sound booth. 
and literally everybody hated me. My wife came walking in with a six-month-old. They started praying for her, lay hands on her, this poor woman coming in with a child, no husband. But I'm back there in the sound booth. Next thing you know, she comes in pregnant. And they're like, what is going on with this woman? And she's like, it's okay, my husband's back there in the sound booth. But I, I, lived, and, I lived and breathed back there. Serve. And serve with all your heart. Don't just get back there and grumble. Serve. God desires to deliver you from what you're going through. He wants to be your Savior. We say Jesus Christ is my Savior. But church, He wants to be your Savior. He wants to save you today, yesterday, and forever. What are you going through Jesus wants to save you, and one way that he has placed us in a position for saving is serving, serving each other. You know what's going to happen is you're going to wind up saving your brother. And I don't mean salvation like heaven and hell. I mean saving them from a disaster because Christ in you is going to save them. We take the church out of this building. Church cannot be contained in this building. Heaven on earth. You must bring Jesus to your job. We must stay in fellowship. One other way that as we serve and as we stay connected to each other, you will not continue sinning. For if we go on sinning willfully, that receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remaining of the sacrifice of sins. We must stay connected. We must stay serving. You know, if I get to serving with you, really, if I get to being a part of this body, you're going to know when I fall off the wagon and you're going to help me get back on. But you have to be connected. What was such an awesome thing is that the Lord connected me to people while I was back there in the sound booth. I really kind of thought, I've got this made, keep everybody in front of me, I won't connect to anybody. That's my personality. But God started connecting me to the worship leader, to the worship team, to the body, to the deacons. Next thing you know, God God got me up here, God started moving me all over the place. I've been in every position just about in the church. I think he just thought, well, that didn't work. Let's try it over here. Okay, let's try it over here. I'm kidding. Serve. Serve one another. You know, it may not be an official title. Serve each other. You see a need that somebody has as you're walking in and they've got a tear coming out of their eyes. Serve them. Take care of them. Pray for them. Love on them. Follow up with them. Don't you need that sometimes? All right, let's stand up and let's pray together. Let us consider one another. Let me let you look at step eight of AA. I think I left out last week. Step eight. 
make a list of all persons we've harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask you, Lord, just to drop into our heart a place that we can serve. Lord, we just ask for opportunities with our brothers and sisters to be able to recognize hurts or needs. And Lord, we may feel like that we just don't have anything to offer. But Lord, you never call us into a position that you haven't already provided us with something to offer. The woman that was running out of money, Lord, you said uh, uh, she was told to just go get every jar that she could. And what little jar of oil that she had just to start pouring into those jars. And Lord, you filled every jar they could get out of that half-filled jar. Lord, encourage us for us to see value in ourselves to be able to help others. And Lord, as we struggle with self-worth, Lord, let us help others. And Lord, as we help others, we're going to see that we have value. Lord God, I thank you that I can see value in our people. And Lord, help us to help others. And Lord, as we do, we're just going to know that you've got our back. We are just going to expect you to do what you say, and you're going to take care of us as we take care of others. Just as Pastor Justin said, as he gave, Lord, uh, you, you made provision for that giving. And you uh, restored that giving. Exceeding abundant. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. It was more than what he had given. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray for those that are in need tonight, Lord, that you would just miraculously make a way. That Maybe their neighbor next to them might have the right word. Might have $10, might have whatever it is, whatever that need. Help us, Lord. Just ask you, Lord, to just help us grow in spirit, in favor of man and with God. Lord, And that we would just uh, grow, this church body would just grow. Just thank you, Lord. Lord, the needs that we have, I just ask that, Lord, that you would provide the people to to meet those needs. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we're just expecting you to lead us and guide us this week. We're going to be in your word and that you're going to care for us. Just thank you. Let us consider one another. In Jesus' name, amen.